Welcome to the Wonder by the Word podcast, where we walk through the Bible chronologically in a year. I'm your host, Brittany Rust, and on this podcast, I break down our daily readings from the Wonder by the Word reading plan and community so that we can all have better theology and grow in our faith. In case you're just now finding us, the Wonder by the Word plan can be found on version or on my website. Wonder by the Word is sponsored by Truth and Grace Ministries. Learn more at BrittanyRust.com. Hello and welcome to day 19 of the Wondered by the Word reading plan and community. Today we are taking a look at Genesis chapter 15 and 16. Now yesterday we left Abram after the rescue of his nephew Lot. As we enter chapter 15, we see a significant event take place in Abram's life, but it's also significant for the history of Israel. Now God appears to Abram in a vision. And what we're going to see here is the Abrahamic covenant. We've already looked at the Edenic, Adamic, and Noahic. And now it's a time to take a look at the Abrahamic. Now let's take a look at some of the components of the covenant. We see this covenant actually begin to take shape in chapter 12. However, it really finds its legs here in chapter 15. And we're actually going to see it take some more... (laughs) go on further in chapter 17. But it's a covenant essentially that begins a reversal of the curse that we've seen in the history of Genesis. It's really a new start. And it's an unconditional covenant, meaning only one of the two parties has something to fulfill. The other party is required to do nothing. And in it, God tells Abram, who has conceived no children with his wife, Sarai, at this point, that he will have a son and descendants beyond, you know, really his imagination, beyond what he can see, that nations and kings will come from this line. And the text says that Abram believed. Verse six says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. It's important to note here that Abram was considered righteous because of faith, not works. And we see this reiterated in Romans chapter four. I actually want to read it to you because so much of that chapter sums up what's happening actually right here in the covenant. So starting in verse 16 of Romans chapter four, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift and we are all certain to receive it whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous 
If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So here in this passage in Romans 4, we see that Abraham was considered righteous because of his belief. And we see that in Genesis chapter 15 as well. Now, back to Genesis 15, God confirms the covenant. He confirms that in verses 9 through 21 of the chapter. And he does this by walking through the sacrificed animals. Remember, we learned that two people would walk between the sacrifice to confirm a covenant. But here, only God does. So confirming it's confirming the unconditional covenant that this promise was dependent upon God, not Abram, but God. And essentially, it means that God would die if the promise is not fulfilled. And that's a significant promise indeed. So this covenant is established. It's a personal blessing to Abram and to others who come behind him. It's a promise for, to land. It's a, it's a promise of redemption. And in fact, the only curse attached to it is that God will curse those who curse Abram. So it's really a blessing for Abram. And we'll see further writing on this covenant in Genesis chapter 17. Now, as we approach Genesis 16, we see Abram and Sarah. Remember that the Lord has told him he'll have a descendant, but Abram and Sarah take desires, um, take their desires into their own hands. God had promised them an heir, yet they were struggling to hold on to that promise in this chapter. Sarai, she has a female servant from her time in Egypt, and her name is Hagar. Now, Sarai comes up with this, this plan to have Abram impregnate Hagar, and thus producing an heir through the servant. And Abram, he, he agrees. Now, Hagar becomes pregnant, but it doesn't go the way Sarai maybe thought that it would or hoped that it would because Hagar begins to look at Sarai with dishonor. Now, Sarai is upset and she blames Abram for her distress, which isn't totally incorrect, right? But what we see is that there are consequences to taking matters into one's own hands, both here for Sarai and Abram, but also that stands true for us. You know, maybe today you have to ask yourself, what are you holding on to too tightly? What are you attempting to control or to force? What matters are you taking into your own hands? This is a question to ask yourself as you're reading the text. So what happens next? Well, Sarai, you know, she complains to Abram of the treatment that Hagar is sending her way. And he basically tells her to do whatever you want with Hagar. And what we see here is Abram, honestly, we see a lack of leadership on his part. We, it, I mean, that's noted. Um, that's an observation made. And he doesn't even address Hagar, who is carrying his child by her name. He calls her servant. So there's almost this separation. Now, pregnant Hagar, she becomes weary and concerned by Sarai's treatment, which had become harsh, and she flees. She was done being mistreated. She'd rather take her chances in the wilderness than in their home. And so, yes, um, in this confused isolation, fleeing from the pain, right? she's fled into the wilderness. We see Jesus appear to this woman that many overlooked, and he made her feel seen and heard. Now, how do we do this? One, he tells her to name the child Ishmael, which means God hears. And two, Hagar calls God Elroy, the God who sees me. Now, this is the only instance in the Bible when someone names God. It's also the only time when the name Elroy is used. 
but it's a beautiful name and it's a name that you can call out when you're feeling alone and invisible, when you don't feel seen or heard. You can cry out to Elroy, the God who sees me, and, and feel this peace knowing that God knows every detail about your life. That's how Hagar felt in this moment. God gives this woman a promise, which for a woman was not common, but he gives her a promise and he tells her that she is seen and that she is heard. We also know he will make Ishmael a large nation for he will become the father of the Muslims. So, you know, that's a separate note, but just a little note to make in the text. But after God meets with her here, you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't send her off to a better place. He doesn't change the circumstances. Yet instead, God encourages her and he strengthens her and he tells her she was noticed by him. But then he sends her right back to Abram and Sarai. He sends her right back into the difficulty so that his beautiful will and her valuable purpose could be accomplished. Listen, sometimes, you know, we want to flee from the pain and the difficulty to escape the hardship. I get it so deeply and intimately, in fact, but God's best for you may not be the easy way out. In fact, it often isn't. Many times we are asked to face the storm, to to walk the valley and to always surrender to his purpose. And so that's what Hagar does. She, She returns and when she returns, she gives birth to her son Ishmael. Now, that's the story um, in chapter 16 of Genesis. Tomorrow, we're going to wrap up week three, and we're going to see more of the covenant, the promise of Isaac, and the events of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'll see you then. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to Wonder by the Word. We are so grateful that you are here and I really pray that this episode left you with nuggets of wisdom, that you learned something new, maybe it challenged you, but ultimately that it encouraged you and inspired you to dive even deeper into the richness of scripture. If the Ministry of Truth and Grace or Wonder by the Word, the reading plan, the episode, all the resources have impacted you in any way, Would you please mind leaving a review, um, sharing this podcast with your friends, all of those little pieces of sharing and encouragement from your part go a long way to help the podcast get into further hands around the world so people can dive into scripture, engage with scripture on a more regular basis. You can also find us on Patreon, which would be a huge benefit to the ministry. And we just thank you so much for being a supporter. We'll see you next time.